We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Fakes This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Wednesday, May 3rd. Bad anniversary for Oklahoma, May 3rd. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I got my guy Nick Crane with me tonight. Just a day from old Star Wars Day. You going to do anything for it tomorrow? Um, Probably not. And then Cinco de Mayo. What a big week. Yeah, and it's also uh, May the 5th be with you. No, May the 4th be with you in Revenge of the 5th. There we go. Yep, yeah, that's the Star Wars reference I was alluding to. Yes. Uh, also, although May 3rd is a bad day in Oklahoma history, Nick, quick history lesson from the history teacher, soon to not be a history teacher. Today is the 100th birthday, if she were still alive, of civil rights leader and activist Clara Looper, who desegregated downtown Oklahoma City uh, before the 1964 Civil Rights Act was passed. Did you know that? Did not. Learned something new every day. I probably learned it in school way back in the day. Clara Looper uh, has been honored the past few years by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they ha- have had like a, uh, I don't know, I guess you want to call it a panel of guests who come and talk about the impact Clara made on the community. Her activism arrested 16 times. Wow. Was a high school history teacher for 42 years. Shout out Clara Looper. How many years have you been a history teacher? This is, I'm about to finish up year number nine. Wow. You're almost, old. Almost one decade, dude. I know. If I played on an NBA team, you know what they would say? <laughs> Back end of his career. He's out of his prime. He definitely only out of your prime. Only, only good enough for a league minimum now. So when you started teaching, Usman Jang was like 10. Yep. That's Isn't that crazy. weird? I forget. I think the year I started teaching was the year that Sergi Baca had the injury in the playoffs and everyone thought he was done. Then he came back uh, in that Spurs series and the Thunder ultimately lost. I think that was my first year of teaching. Who's the number one pick your first year? Oh, goodness. What was your first year? 2014 14 i started teaching in august of 2014 oh that's the uh infamous draft that ultimately produced the mvp this year oh was it yeah dang i don't know well Embiid. i don't know Embiid had been in the league for that long yeah speaking of mvps though nick joel was announced yesterday and then we got the breakdown of the voting. We, so we haven't seen like who voted for who, but we have seen which players received votes. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, six fourth-place votes. 
I believe it was 18 fifth place votes, ended fifth overall in the MVP voting. How surprised are you? I might add. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't think I was surprised at all. Um, I think most. I think we actually even had a segment on it a few weeks back where we predicted, and I think we all were kind of consensus five. Um, it's incredible to look at the guys, especially the guards behind him. Um, this speaks to like the crazy, crazy season that he had, and obviously we hope it's sustainable and it's something you can build off of. But like, man, top what three in scoring? I believe that's right. That is that was not on the bingo card during preseason bets. Like incredible. If I would have bet you preseason that Shea averages thirty a game, I think you would have probably bet anything he would. Probably. Huge jump by Shea. Yeah. Um I wonder if part of the reason he got voted so much and saying so much is like relative for MVP, at least to be on the ballot, is because of the overachieving nature oh, for sure. of the season. Um, if they're 10th seed again next year and Shea reproduces these stats, is he still top five next year? I mean, context, like somebody else could jump up. Yeah. You know, there could be another really standout player, but if it's a second time in a row and, and people perceive it as maybe staying pat or underachieving, not taking that next leap as a team, does he still make top five or is it, is this more of a, this team surprised and he really blossomed and made a huge jump. Whereas if there's not a huge jump by the team or Shea next year and everything stayed, stayed, everything stayed static. Does it happen again? I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's the voter for voter fatigue factor that I think is real. Um, I think the expectations are, I mean, look at like Luca had better numbers and finished below because his team was not good. Like I think it's all it's all relative to expectations. That's fair. Let me ask you this then. Let's say Shea puts up an identical stat line. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, percentages. Yep. Everything stays stays static, looks identical next year. But the Thunder are a home court first round team. Top four in the West. Does he finish top three? Um no, I think that Joel, Giannis, and Jokic, like, haven't they haven't they been top three the past like four years in voting? Feels like it. It's like if you're not a if you're not a big these days that are able to put up these crazy box scores, like, it, and maybe that's maybe that's something that voters should consider moving forward, like. For a long time, it was guards winning MVP. Now it's been bigs. Like it was like overcorrected. Like, do we meet back in the middle at some point? It's kind of the same thing with defensive player of the year. It's always a big. Yeah. It's never. I think, who was the last guard to win defensive player of the year? Was it Tony Marcus? Allen? Oh, Marcus won. Did win one. That's he was correct. an outlier. But then there was like a, a a period of time where it was like all like wings and four it was like three if you're a three or four you have the best chance and then it was like bigs for a long time and there's like one guard sprinkled in it's interesting how these votes have like trends yeah it's fascinating uh last question about sga's fifth place mvp finish now that he has finished fifth place he's kind of on the radar of people now like voters have casted ballots for him like okay he is on the radar now (laughs) What would you put the percentage chance at that before his career is over, Shea wins an MVP? Um, five. Okay, I was gonna go ten. I mean, it's it's. I felt kind of bold with ten too. There's players in the league that are phenomenal, like Jason Tatum may never win one. Right, like. It's it's so Anthony Davis hard. may never win one. Yeah, like and we're talking guys that are top fifty, all like eighty, top fifty, top one hundred. Like there's a we're talking first ballot out. Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, that have never won MVP. It's a very hard award to win. Obviously. What do you think is more likely, uh, Shea winning MVP with the Thunder, 
That's the caveat with the Thunder. Or winning a championship with the Thunder. Championship. Think so? I think so. Does it feel like if they were to win a championship, it would likely be a season in which they were one of the top seeds and you had a really, really, really good chance of winning MVP the same year? For sure. I mean, definitely. Right? Um, But, I don't know, just odds, like championship is one out of 30. Yeah. MVP is one out of 450. Yeah. Well, kind of, yes. But yeah, I agree with your your thought process. Like you that's, know, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and I just think this Thunder team is going to continue to stack talent around Shea. And when you do that, maybe it takes away from some of his numbers, but it uh, it also increases their likelihood of winning basketball. And you know, so, it's funny this time last year we were talking about like, I don't, I don't know if we ever had the conversation of will Shea ever be an all-star. I think we always thought he would be an all-star level player at some point, maybe not perennial, but like he'll make an all-star team. Now it's like, will he ever not make an all-star team at the rate he's going? Yeah. It's wild. Wild what a season can do. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like an outlier season, primarily, I think, for me, because he didn't shoot any threes. You know, long way to go there. Yeah, but I'm another player. If they made a jump like this, but they had like they were a career thirty four percent three point shooter, and this season they shot forty one percent, you'd be like, oh, there's the outlier. Yeah, there's not much of an outlier here. I mean, there are. This was by far his best season. But it's stuff that is repeatable. Getting I to the think... free throw line, finishing at the rim, uh, averaging better like defensive stats because of his size and his stature. Like the things that he made leaps in don't feel fluky. They feel like things yeah. that he's just added to his game. Um, I feel like guys that make a big jump in their three point shooting have to show it for a couple of years before you can determine if it's real. He's an example. I mean, he shot 42% a couple years ago from deep. Yeah. And that was the outlier season for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now, if he has that outlier next year again with the, the volume, top, then we're talking top three MVP. Could be. Yeah. If the winning's there too, that's, that's yeah. always the key. What did he shoot from three this year? 34 and a half, 30. It was 34 and change, I believe. I'm pulling it up right now. I can tell you this season, 3.34 and a half. Better than, better than last year. That's for dang sure. Yes. Um, 34 and a half percent from three this year compared to 30% last year. 30. Um, and he cut his threes in half yep. from 5.3 down to 2.5. I think four would be a good number when he settles in. Yep. If he can shoot four threes a game and hit 37%, yeah. I think that really changes his game. I mean, there's, there's room for growth. There's no question. Like get this guy a lob threat, get this guy more spacing. Like it's not like this is the end of the road for his scoring upside. Definitely. Well, Nick, this past Sunday, we did player grades for the thunder. We handed out some letter grades today. We're going to follow up on those grades by giving guys some homework before we do that though. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, Nick and I will hand out homework to some Thunder players. We're also going to talk a little bit of draft before we get out of here. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back. So, Nick, the report cards have gone home. We filled out the paperwork. Everything is done. But now we need to give our guys some stuff to improve on, just like you do in school. Somebody uh, turns in work. You give them feedback and tell them what they can improve on. That is our job today. Um, so we will bounce back and forth. Day. It's my job every day. We will bounce back and forth. Um, let's start with you. Okay. You get... Shay Gildress Alexander. We gave him an A on his report card. Fun. What homework, and it might be some stuff that we just talked about, but what homework are you giving Shay over the summer? Um the the LeBron treatment where he spends an insane amount of money on his body. Okay. To recover and keep it healthy. I want Shay to go home and and ensure that he's right for next season. I know he's gonna be playing with Canada this summer, um, I think they actually announced today that Canada will be playing France and it'll be Shea versus Wimby, which will be super cool to watch in August. Um, but just stay healthy, take care of his body. Um, and this is probably a cop-out answer, but do what you always do. Shea's a guy that, that improves so rapidly during off-seasons. Um, Aaron Wiggins described it as, what was the word he used? I'll have to look at it. There's an adjective that he used that was just like, wow, hey, Shea is, Shea is very, very, very good at what he does in the offseason. Not just like going and getting shots up or like I shot a thousand threes a day. Like he, go, he goes and, and targets different things that he knows needs to improve upon and he gets it done. Um, so I just say do what you normally do because to this point, it's worked. I think that's fair. He's a... Uh... Comparing it to students, he is a student that has always done a great job. And now he is, uh, you're just telling him, hey, you're on the right track. Continue on that track. Yeah. The word's maniac. It came to me. Yep. Aaron Wiggins said he was a maniac in the offseason in terms of his work ethic and how he's targeted and what he works on. Like the, we see the workout videos. The dude's doing like one legged lunges with a ball on his foot while he's holding. 50 pound weights in each arm. And it's just the, the, the balance and the core is bonkers. Yep. And it's because of the crazy workouts he does in the off season. Definitely. Um, obviously I think the low hanging fruit here is the three point shot, right? Just continue to perfect that shot, the release, um, the accuracy and, and make a jump there. And he really takes his game to another level. Um, I thought it was interesting in exit interview. Sam Presti specifically talked about, uh, Shea dedicating himself on the defensive end and how big of a change that made for their team. And if he truly wants to be like an elite player, it comes on both sides. And he thinks that if Shea continues to work on that side of the ball, um, he can be better and better and really distinguish himself. Um, so that'd Setting be awesome. A problem is what he said. Yeah. Which is so true. And I love that. That's the verbiage Presti uses. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Next guy. Josh Giddy. You go also first got, on this one. Also got an A. I feel like there's a handful of directions you could go with Josh. Again, low-hanging fruit is wherever you go, um, Chip England goes with you. 
pack him up in your suitcase, take him, shoot all the shots, work on your jump shot. I'm going to go a little bit different direction here, though. Like, I want him working on his jump shot for sure. But I want Josh to do two things. They're tied together. One physical, one mental. Physically, I want him on the um, summer after the rookie season, Teo Maladone workout splits. You remember when Teo came to summer league and was just freaking jacked. jacked instead he was spent, he was doing like two a days of lifting in the gym. I want Josh to eat as much protein as possible and hit the gym every day. And mentally, I just want him to envision himself bulldozing guys. Josh, I think at the start of the season was like officially listed at six eight, like two fourteen, something like that. Come back, grow an inch. I he might be six nine. <laughs> That's your homework is grow an inch. Come back two twenty five. Might already be like he he got bigger during the season. I think so. But if he comes back and he's like a solid two twenty five, six foot eight, I mean that's power forward sized. Yeah. And if people will, teams will still continue to guard him with guards, defend him with guards. He's got a nice back to the basket game. He's got a really nice bully ball game to get shots for himself or draw help and dish uh, to the open man. I just want Josh. I already think Josh has that dog in him. Yep. But I want Josh to get rid of the leash. The dog is there. Let it off the leash and let it go. That would be like the dream for me is like if the shooting comes around, that's awesome. But I want this man to like bury dudes under the rim. You remember the Duncan Summer League? I yeah. want to see more of that. I want to see him just like enforcing his will. And again, Presty talked about some of Josh's like rebounds and stuff as being like these pivotal moments that jumped out to him of the fight and the competitiveness of Josh. Nick, maybe one of my favorite. Josh Giddy plays of the season was the playing game in New Orleans where he took a nut shot and he got off the floor and was seriously ready to start throwing punches. And he yells at uh, Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson, Ed- Edmund Santa Fe's own Josh Richardson saying, don't do that shit again. Like I love the fire he plays with start to pack on some more muscle onto that body. He's young, right? He, he has the ability to do so and come back and just be, a bullying beast. I would love to see that. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say the same on, on the, the backing down. We saw that a lot in the new Orleans game, um, especially with CJ McCollum guarding him. Um, I, I want to see more than just like the, the bully ball back you down, put your head in the rim and then score a layup. I think like, obviously the three is the biggest upside swing for him in terms of like generating more points and, and, drawing gravity and spacing the floor. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in the mid range that you see guys like Luka Doncic do where they catch, they back you down a bit. It's not to back you down into the paint, but it's to back you down enough where they can do a turnaround jumper. And, and Josh has good touch in the mid range. Yeah, for sure. Um, whether it's like a, a 10 foot turnaround kind of like baby hook or a turnaround like fadeaway jumper. I'm not as bought in on him ever being a 40% three-point shooter. Could he get better? Like, if he's 35% on his career, that's great. But I do think that he could be one of the better, most effective mid-range scorers in the league. Yeah, Uh, and I love the idea of him bulking up for defensive purposes. I mean, if he bulks up to 225, he doesn't have to guard guards nearly as much, which he's not as quick-footed. Uh, he struggles with it. I think he's got a very high defensive basketball IQ. Uh, he anticipates where guys are going. He gets his body there first. If he can be strong enough to do that, but guarding like fours, that's a game changer because then you can slide dub down to threes or guards. Uh, and I just think across the board, it just makes them so much more versatile. Uh, so that'd be my homework for Josh. Yeah. I mean, I think you think about some of the guys that are the hardest to defend in the league. Um, not that they're the most skilled, but they're just like too big, too strong. Like Julius Randle's an example. I, that's the exact name that I was thinking the of. The fact that your, your point guard could theoretically guard Julius Randle 
is incredible. And they like, stretch you, you, Julius you out on the other end and make him guard Josh. Right. You don't need him to guard a 6'2 lightning quick point guard. Now, you still need that. Mm-hmm. So the, totally agree. That, that'll, that'll open up the defensive uh, versatility for sure. Agreed. Definitely. All right. Next guy on the list. Just mentioned him. J-Dub. We also gave him an A on his report card. A lot of times we see guys make a jump between their first and second years in the league. What is the thing? What is the homework for J-Dub? What does he need to get in the lab and work on? Oof. After watching him play the last two months of the season, it's hard to give that guy homework. He was so good. Um, I still think the three-point shot, like on the season, his numbers looked fine from deep. I don't remember the exact number, but it was like a number you're comfortable with, a guy of his size shooting from three. Beginning of the season was not the case. Like he was in the high 20s for the the majority of the early part of the season. I'd be curious if you could pull up his uh, pre-All-Star three-point shooting numbers. Um, so keep keep working on the shot. Um, I think the defensive side of the ball, similar to Josh, like he's got he's got the tools to be so good. And we saw a lot of it this year. I mean, even summer league, we got a peak when he did that Jabari Smith block shot, and then he continued it into the early part of the season, and then emerged as a solid defender. But there's still like little lapses, and when he guards some of the higher IQ players, like. They get him out of position because those kind of guys know how to move off ball and get to their spots. And we've seen times where some of the elite off ball movers can get open. And as long as he is, it's still sometimes too late to get to his guy. Um, for, for Dub, I think it's, I think the homework is lots of film because as he is on the scouting report more and more next year, which is where we see a lot of the sophomore slumps. I think he could also be doing proactive film work, watching some of the best players in the league that he's going to be going up against to try to combat that. I think that is fair. Um, pulling up some stats, J-Dub shot 30.5% from three uh, from the beginning of the season up until New Year's Eve. He ended the season 36.5%. You'd much rather it be 36 all the time. Like That'd yeah. be fine. Like that, You didn't have to be a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, 36.5 is right at about league average. Yep. So, um to kind of tack on to yours, I had thought of one for J-Dub. My homework for him, you mentioned watch film. And I think you were alluding to like figure out other guys' tendencies. Um, watching film is really good for defensive players to figure out other guys' tendencies and also figure out their tendencies on defense and how you can exploit them. I want Dub... This is going to sound blasphemous. You ready? I want Dub to watch some Dion Waiters film. Because where are you going with this? Dub's, Dub's shot diet right now, like the dude is cutting weight. His shot diet, like he's not eating anything. I feel like he passes up on too many open shots. I want him to be a little more aggressive in his offensive game, really hunting his own shot. So watch some Dion Waiters. That's a man that was never afraid to shoot the basketball. I'm not saying I want Dub to take the same type of shots Dion does. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> but I want him, if it moves him a little bit in that direction, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, as long as, long as so he is elite at finishing at the rim. So I want to maintain that level of efficiency, that level of, of volume at the rim. That's what he's great at. Um if he's going to have more kind of isolation, self-creation, mid-range, the shots that you saw him pass up this year, I want those to be attempts on top of what he's already producing from the from the rim. For sure. Speaking of J-Dub, uh, WME Basketball on Instagram uh, posted a workout video of J-Dub today. Uh, Cooper Jones at CooperJMBA uh, dropped it on Twitter for the masses to see. Number one, the uh, the hair is now Braided hair and a do-rag. Number two, I don't know if it's because the hair is smaller now, like because he braided it. I don't know if he just got done with a mad gym session. He looks jacked. Like <laughs> J-Dub and the J is for jacked. I don't know what it is. I mean, he he does. He, he looks more cut. I don't His think shoulders look very broad. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's he's already been putting in work. Um I think a lot of it too could be 
post-production. I'm not saying they're like editing muscles on him, but dude, you, you, you go to the gym, you come back from arm day and you're looking in the mirror like, wow, am I really this big? I bet he just got done with the workout, but it was still super promising to see. I yeah. like the new hair. Yes. Uh, the other thing watching this, I'm currently watching it right now. Um, what, it's your 10th time or 11th time to watch it? <laughs> those are rookie numbers, buddy. <laughs> Jack those things up. Sometimes when you watch him like in a game, because the camera angle, you don't get it as much. Nick, the wingspan is stupid. Stupid. Yeah. His arms are so long. Seven three wingspan, I believe. At a, as a six seven guy. Yeah. That's plus eight. That's insane. He's he. I mean, and he's also got huge hands. I think yeah. there's a there's a move in that video where like Shay did this move earlier this season where he kind of like. I don't know if you can see on the video, like cupped the ball like this uh-huh. and brought it over. Pulls it it looks like, and I've only watched it twice, not as many times as you it looked like when he did that move, it was like, it was like holding a Nerf ball and he just like pulled it over his head. Yeah, it's like stupid. It. Stupid. All right. Next guy. Um, I have Chet on the list. He's a little bit difficult to give homework to. He is. Um, we'll get Here's into- my homework. Here's my homework for, for Chet. Okay. Stay in the physical therapy program. Keep working on your foot. Play summer league. Oh, okay. That was gonna be my question. Is like take take away the fact that we're going to be there watching him. Take away the hype of Chet Wimby potentially, um, whether they're on the same team or different teams. Take take all that away. Pull the bias aside. Okay. Do you actually want Chet playing summer league? I've said this before. I'll say it again. If Chet is not at summer league. All summer, he's going to be out playing pickup like he did last year anyways, whether it's in a pro-am that's on television or on a stream or just in a gym. We know he played pickup all summer with guys like Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. So if he's going to be playing anyways, why not put him in a system with your coaches and his teammates in a situation that is more like an NBA game than anything else he'll be doing over the summer and get him some burn. Don't disagree with the thought process. And I, I'm not sitting here like anti Chet summer league. I think if it was like, if Sam Presti called me and said, Chet thumbs up, thumbs down summer league. If I had like, I'd probably say no more for like the mental piece of it. Chet playing summer league while it is great experience and exposure and time with teammates, like I don't think there's much he could do that would be like groundbreaking or like, Oh my gosh, this, like, he's already shown that Yeah, he's already shown. He dominates summer league on the For flip me, side. Reps. It is reps, but he, he could look bad. Like if, if Chet has a bad summer league, like that carries in my opinion. I don't know. We're don't definitely know. overanalyzing the situation of, of Chet playing summer league, but I, I, He's going to play somewhere regardless. Like even if, Sam if he, said that. Yeah. If he comes out in summer league and puts up three stinkers, are we all of a sudden like, oh, it's a bust? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like recovering from that kind of injury is tough. Oh, you're like, saying like for, maybe for him mentally. For him mentally. Okay, I could see that. Like you see Zion, he's. I'm not saying everybody gets a mental block when they get injured, but long term injuries like there's a lot of frustration along the way. You see Zion. Yeah. I went we I went to that playing game and he was doing his, his pregame workout and he was like visibly frustrated, missing shots. He said he's not gonna play till it feels like himself. Like there's a big mental piece of coming back and playing after a long injury. And maybe summer league is like the key to unlock that and he's great mentally going into the season, but like three three stinkers. I'm not worried about the fan base or NBA Twitter saying Chet's a bust. I'm worried about him thinking like, man, I can't get back to myself. Devil's advocate, real quick. I'm taking your role. I think Sam. that's something Sam Presti would welcome. Fight through that adversity. You're going to have to fight through it at some point. Yeah. You don't grow unless you're uncomfortable, unless you get put in a position where you have to grow. I just think there's, there's if you play a summer league, the, his role is like the guy. You throw him in his preseason for his first game, where it's like Not mostly... when he's backing up Victor Wambanyama. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Next homework assignment is for Jay Will. We gave him a B on his report card. Jay will. Um, 
any workout or training session that increases his lateral quickness. I was about to say foot speed. Like the charges are great. The three point shot was great. Although I hope it's not like a JRE situation where it falls off. Uh, Cause he was not a elite three point shooter in college. Like he shot and threes. nobody guarded him. Yeah. No, it's no, a no. small sample. It is. Um, but defensively, like he does a lot of good things. He's got this huge frame. But he's, he's, it's like he's got bricks for feet. That's and, why he always plays drop. Yeah. And, I and think, there's there's times when doing that is okay. But we watched four Warriors games, Nick. Yep. yep. And every single... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off here. I just... Every single Warriors game, we would be in the, the uncontested Slack channel talking about it. It's J-Will guarding Draymond. Yep. Draymond screens for Steph. J-Will drops... Steph comes around the screen, hits Draymond for a pass. Draymond sprays it to the corner, and that drop defense just absolutely cooked them every single time. Yeah, play and then playoffs is where it's, it's exposed big time. Like it was a little different with Melo, but that was a guy that whenever a team can find a way to exploit your defense by isolating people, it was for for Melo. It was we're gonna we're gonna run a screen, and Melo's gonna switch onto our ball handler. He's gonna get cooked, and. Jay Will's a little different because I don't think they would switch everything with him like they did with Melo for whatever reason they did. Um, but but they will find like they will see what the Warriors did and they will do the same thing to Jay Will. So yep. lateral quickness, um, keep working on the three and hope you're in the rotation next year because it's not a guarantee. Definitely. Um that's why I think those playing games are so important for this team. Because you learn a lot about yourself. Like the playoffs are where things get exposed very quickly. They find the weakest link in the chain and they beat the piss out of it with a hammer over and yep. over and over and over and over again until they break the chain. Well, smart right? teams do at least. Yes. Uh, it's a really good learning experience for you to see where do we need to improve at. So, Totally. I like it. Uh, next guy we have is Usman Jang. We gave, Usman, okay. we gave Usman, okay. We gave Usman, I believe, a B on his report card. There's a lot of stuff with Usman here. Like, the, it sounds like such a cop out. the The potential is high. Sam Presti in his end of season interview, um, I thought exuded a lot of confidence about Jang, saying that he sees the game differently. Right, like mentally, it's all there. It's just about the game slowing down a little bit for him and him putting it all together. When we watched him in Summer League, Nick, we were there in person, and we said, this guy has to learn how to be more aggressive and more physical. He played timid. I felt like that got better throughout the season, uh, accumulating in a... Absolute bulldozing of Jordan Poole at the rim, which was one of my probably top ten Thunder plays of the year. Uh, I was so proud of us. It's like it's like seeing your child like say "Dada" for the first time. I was just like, "There it is! He did it!" Good grief. Um, the shot I thought for his first year was good. Uh, I really like some of his ball handling stuff. I think he he's going to make his money, especially next year, on what he can do defensively. So I would say maybe that's where his homework should be, is to get stronger and really lock in on that mindset of being like a physical, tough, uh, get-your-nose-in-there defender. And then I think the other stuff will slowly start to fall in place. You know, maybe he's like a spot-up three-point shooter. He can attack a closeout. He can catch a lob, those types of things. Um, but I think if he starts to become a more physical defender, that stuff will bleed over to the other side of the court. Yep. Uh, I agree with all those. The thing that stuck out to me is... I, I want to give him a somewhat of a pass on this because... He had injuries, and it's his first time playing. Even though he was injured, it was like when he did play, it was a lot of games packed in because he was doing like G League one night, Thunder the next night. Some some days he was doing both. Um, he looked a little out of shape at times last year, like especially in the the game. And, and again, he played like forty minutes, but the last game of the season when when no one played, like he looked very very gassed. Um, 
which isn't concerning long-term. Like this is his first time playing at, at this level, but um, I, I would like to parlay the conditioning into not just getting better in shape, but also like doing quick twitch sprinty type stuff. Because the thing that really, really, really sticks out is it's probably because he grew so quickly and he's still like growing into his feet. You can tell he processes the game very, very well, but his body doesn't necessarily keep up with his mind. Like he, he's, he's got the right idea. He wants to like split this screen or he wants to make this pass. He wants to slide over and cut off this defender at this angle, but he doesn't move quite quickly enough. His body doesn't do it quickly enough. And you can't, teach like quickness um but i think you can do a lot of things to try to enhance like your your first step or your ability to do things more quickly um i'm not a trainer i don't know what those things are but i think that's the type of stuff that he should work on because as his body catches up to his mind that's when you're really going to see the oh he used to be a guard and he grew to 611 yeah that's fair um we got a few more homework assignments to pass out uh let's kind of burn through them quickly uh, spend like 30 seconds on each one. That way we can hit some draft stuff before yeah. we get out of here. Uh, next guy would be Isaiah Joe, who we gave an A for the season. Bolt. Um, he showed some defensive upside. Uh, he showed that he can do more than just shoot threes. But I think if he can get, I'm not saying he turns into like Lou Dort, but if he can get a little bit stronger, it'll help him defensively. And as he drives the lane more, it'll prevent him from getting just knocked around like we saw at times. Fair. I enjoyed some of the off the bounce stuff we saw towards the end of the year. I'd say continue to explore that. Like he knows his bread and butter in the league is three point shooting, and it fell off at the end of the year. Um, the Thunder don't want a three point specialist; they want a rounded basketball player. So continue to explore those aspects of your game. Agreed. Uh, next guy got a C on his report card. That would be Lou Dort. Lou Dort um... shoot five thousand layups a day and your trainer has those big long sticks with the padding on them that they use as like a, a tall defender yeah, that you yeah. have to finish over and work on finishing over and through people um, and finish better at the rim. Somebody in the chat earlier, I'm going to find it real quick. Uh, Carrie asked, would you rather have Dort improve his three point shot or his finishing? If you could only pick one, uh, finishing because it was quite literally horrible. The like, three actually wasn't bad last year. He, it felt like it, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. Um, the finishing was like bottom 10% of the league. Like the three-point shooting was probably just below league average. He shot 33%. So not great, but it wasn't like it was... Not like he shot 19% from three, which is essentially the equivalent of what he shot from the rim. Yeah. It's... The rim finishing has to get better. The shot diet has to get better. Yeah. Like we Those talked about things. last night, two-point percentage for Lou Dort was worse than the team. Yep. Uh, two more guys. You were first up on this one. Uh, we gave him a B. Alexei Pukshevsky. Hmm. He was doing so many good things before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. For Poku, I want to see him... When he plays for his country this summer, I want to see him in a variety of different roles because I think his role with the Thunder moving forward is going to vary depending on who he's on the floor with. Like I think he's got this really high upside where he's kind of showed it like in the uh, with the, in the league with the blue. Like he could be this triple double guy that can score a bunch and facilitate and rebound and be the primary ball handler. But there's other times where the Thunder are going to need him to be the eighth man and just come in and like play disruptive defense, be a connector, a poku nectar. Um, so I just want to see him continue to like expand the horizons of how he can impact winning. And I think he'll have a great opportunity to do so um, representing his country this summer. I agree. His three point ball has continued to improve, especially the form. I want to see that continue. Cause I think that is going to be a place where he's really important with this team. Uh, and I think he took a big step forward in his physicality defensively continue to dig into that like continue to to add on weight add on muscle uh and just that that change in his brain of i'm going to go out there and i'm going to be the initiator um 
think the best example we got in that was that Milwaukee game where he had to play post defense on Brooke Lopez for like felt like 50 straight possessions. Yeah. And he held up pretty okay. Like I want to see him continue to seek out that physicality. And then that goes back to my point of like the, the most versatile players in the league can be plugged into a lot of situations and thrive. That's one example of that. I want to see more and more and more and more like I, he could go on the floor and Mark could say guard any of the players on the other team. And Poku gives you a, at least the effort and the the ability to hold his own at minimum. Definitely. Uh, last one would be Kenrich Williams. What's Kenrich Williams' homework? Mine's pretty simple on this. I want to hear what you have to say, though. Um, free throws. That's mine, too. Repetition. Yeah. Repetition. Getting there, and we joke about the 1,000 layups, 1,000 free throws legitimately thousand free throws a day for him. Yeah. Right. Like this is their job shooting a thousand. When somebody is rebounding for you and just feeding them to you over and over, he's got to find that repetition. He's got to be a better free throw shooter. That's like the one knock in his game is the free throw shooting. So maybe this is a hot take. Um, I'm going to read down his, his free throw percentages by year since entering the league. 68, 34, 57, 54, 43. I would argue a guy that's, what is that, five years in the league is probably not going to get better at free throw shooting. Like, that's, it's, it's not like he hasn't, he's like, oh, I, five years later, I should probably start. Like, he's, he's been working on it. Yes. Should he go Sohan granny shot or one handed shot or something? It's interesting. Like, like, I, like I think the, the current model isn't working. I agree. Kind of going back to some stuff you said earlier about Chet, I think changing it at this point, you got to be careful because that's the type of stuff that can mess with somebody's head. Yeah. Oh, I'm not good enough. They want me to do something super embarrassing, like shoot a granny shot. But I don't think Kenrich is the guy that thinks that's embarrassing. I think he probably it's his vibe. He's got the the shag haircut. And... I agree, but I just wonder: is it something that can throw other things off? It could. Is Kenrich Williams the original Jeremy Sohan? How do we kind of think about their personalities and what they do? And you got Jeremy Sohan at home. I like it. Different schools, but both in Texas. Yep. I like it. All right. Let's take a quick break again. On the other side, we'll do a tankathon spin. We'll talk like five or six minutes about some draft stuff, and then we will get you guys out of here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Nick, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm so glad I haven't had to like do it legitimately this year and worry about it, is a tankathon spin. So let's spin one. Let's chat a little bit about what this spin looks like, not only for the Thunder, but the top four of the draft. Um, and then we, we can chat a little bit about maybe guys at that 12 range, if that's where the Thunder land. Um, and maybe what some trade-up scenarios could look like. And I know you're lying. You've spun this plenty of times. I actually have not. And if you looked at it this year compared to last year, I bet tankathon.com's traffic from Oklahoma City is down <laughs> tenfold from last year. Probably. You know, it'd be a, a cool feature is if they could find a way, like whether it's through your IP address or whatever it is, have a counter 
Because people on Twitter would be able to like boast how many spins they've done this year. Uh, that would be kind of cool. All right, here we go. You ready? Give me your prediction. Who wins one? Um, Portland. Portland. Uh, I will go Charlotte. Neither of us are right. Detroit stayed at one. Uh, the Pacers jump up to two. Portland to three. The Toronto Raptors make the big leap up to Oof. four which slides the rest of the board down. One thing I like is the Rockets go to five. That's happened a lot, actually. I haven't done a, a bunch of spins, but I've done a few the past couple weeks. And the Rockets, I'm, I'm going to jinx it, and they're going to get number one now, but they've been five a lot. Yeah. Um, Thunder, since Toronto jumped, drops to 13, mm. which is not good. Uh, the Tankathon mock has the Thunder taking Nick Smith Jr. at 13, uh, Nick, you know I am not a betting man, uh, but I might cash out all the uncontested money to bet that they don't take Nick Smith Jr. He just does I, not feel thundery. I don't disagree. Me. I'd be curious your thoughts, big picture on the the guards in this class. And like, is is there a guard, quote unquote guard? It's mostly positionless now. That you'd be like, you know what? That's that's a fine pick because this guard does X that helps the team that they don't have now. I think a lot of people are high on. Kobe Bufkin right now. I could kind of mm. see that. Uh, I like Kaysen Wallace. I think he's got some playmaking chops. He's a dog defensively. Uh, you got to hope the shot is there. I think he's a really good finisher. Like I could see Kaysen Wallace coming in and being almost like a, is that blasphemous to say like almost like a Marcus Smartish type player? No, that's kind of who he's comped as. He's a little smaller, but yeah, that's yeah. who he's comped as a lot. Um, I think that'd be interesting. So, Nick, if this were the case, if the Thunder were to drop, I would be pissed. <laughs> but it's not a huge deal because you're only going from 12 to 13. Um, we both think they're not taking Nick Smith Jr. So who else on this board below 13 uh, are you looking at as a Thunderish type of guy? So going based on the Tankathon order, if this was like actually them at 13, this is the, the kind of the shortlist if he's available. Nobody fell. <clears throat> Is that, is that the exercise? Yes. Okay. Um, I'll read it off for people who aren't listening or aren't watching live. You'll scroll back up. So that leaves yep. uh, Nick Smith Jr. That leaves Keontae George, Jet Howard, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Jordan Hawkins, Ryan Rupert, Chris Murray, Derek Lively, Gigi Jackson, Kobe Bufkin, Max Lewis, Colby Jones, Derek Whitehead, etc. Um, <clears throat> I would say for me uh i like jet howard you know, a lot of people have have kind of fallen off on him more recently um i like lively i don't think he'll ever be an elite offensive prospect but like i think he is very much proven he can be an elite defensive prospect gg jackson does not feel thundery um given that he's like his mo is like ISO scoring, um, ball in his hands, super low assist percentage. But he is thundery in the fact that he's the youngest guy in the draft. Um, I also think that he was in a South Carolina system that didn't necessarily highlight his strengths. Like he's got elite, elite, elite offensive upside at his size. Um, I know some Thunder podcasts and uh, fans would say they would never draft Gigi Jackson. I'd argue there's a, there's just as many reasons they would as reasons they wouldn't. I don't like Kobe Bufkin all that much. I think he's Trey Man 2.0. Um, I do like Max Lewis though. So those are my guys, my thoughts. I don't think any of them would be considered like high value at 13 relative to where most people are mocking them, but neither is Jade up. So yeah, I almost feel like this is a spot where you make a trade. You move up or you move down. I just don't know if there's a guy there that you love. Um, but the Thunder are more likely just to reach on a guy at 13 rather than trade down and him not be there. Yep. So I think there's a chance they would reach on a guy here. Um, here here's can I, can I say something? I just yeah. had this, this argument. Um, we, like, we like to say, just as, as fans and people that cover teams, we like to say reach. Just because this player's like average mock position is 12 from the athletic and the SP and all that kind of stuff, that guy could be in consensus mock 
seven if you were to combine the 30 NBA teams. Yeah, for it's, sure. You know, like, we, like in the NFL draft the other day, someone was saying, oh, consensus had this guy at 109 and this team took him at, you know, 80. Like they reached. It's like, did they really reach or does the media's board not actually it, matter? If he was going to go the next pick, you know. Right. right. Josh Giddy. Yeah. Everyone totally. said, oh, Josh Giddy at six is a reach. Golden State was about to take him at seven. So if you want him, you got to get him at six. And they did want him. So that, yep. that quite literally says he was definitely on boards at six and seven. <laughs> exactly. Um, in the evenings, whenever I get bored, Nick, I like to go to my uh, my YouTube and just look at my subscriptions and things. Uh, kind of like let the algorithm do its job. Yeah. Uh, and check out some mock drafts and stuff. Uh, one guy who I really respect, we should try to get him on the podcast, uh, Adam Spinella. Yeah. Um, did a mock. He dropped it like last night. And at, he did a tankathon spin, and OKC stayed pat at 12. He took Leonard Miller. Doesn't shock me. I think that's a guy that, that Thunder Twitter would say is a reach. Um, I, I mentioned if Leonard will climb like the the media big boards uh, as we get into workouts and the combine and things like that yeah um he's interesting i think one thing with him you have to consider is is he he declared last year he opted out early i don't know if that was because of feedback or wasn't the range he thought or didn't climb as much but he did compete like in scrimmages and the combine and stuff and still didn't like climb significantly um, I'm super curious, like what feedback he got on like what he needs to work on and how teams think he improved on that in the G league in a more defined system. Um, because if, if he got, if there was 10 teams last year, they're interested in him at 25 and he's done all these things better. Like it wouldn't shock me if he was in that kind of 12 to 15 range. Yeah. My only worry about the thunder drafting him is you have Usman Jang. You have Alexei Pokashevsky. You have Jay Will. You have JRE. And then you throw in a Leonard Miller. Like, if you draft him at 12, are you just moving him from the G League Ignite to the G League OKC Blue for a year? Like, the, the, the competition for young guys on this team to get developmental minutes is going to ratchet up because the competitiveness of yeah. this team league-wide has jumped yeah so I, I that's interesting with that being said i do like leonard miller like i think he could be an interesting uh piece he does some really fun stuff defensively i do think he's got a little bit of that dog in him uh he's an interesting guy he's very unorthodox like he you always looks out of control even when he's not yes um from this tankathon spin and mm. for those of you who like aren't live streaming with us i'll read it to you again it's Detroit at one, Pacers at two, Portland three, Toronto, Houston at five, San Antonio, Charlotte, Orlando at eight, Washington, Utah, Knicks at 11, Orlando at 12, Thunder at 13. Any trade-up possibilities kind of jump off the board at you here, Nick? Um, I do think this is funny because Dallas loses their pick. <laughs> You're right, goes to the Knicks. I would not be shocked to see Washington trade. I would not. Is be... there anything, anyone there that makes you want to trade up from nine to 13? That's Grady Dick, Taylor Hendricks, Bryce Sensabaugh, Kaysen Wallace. And this particular, I don't know how Tankathon actually chooses the players on the fit. I don't know how that actually works. If, if yeah. this, if this actually were to happen and Washington's there at nine and Grady Dick and Taylor Hendricks are both on the board. Absolutely. I, I think Sam should and would give up quite a bit to move up a few spots. I think Taylor Hendricks goes more like six or seven at this point, but there, there will be a guy. I mean, for, for, for anybody to rise, someone has to fall. And so I think it just depends on who falls to nine in that situation for the thunder to move up. I think that's fair. Um, from this one, like Portland's not moving off of three unless they get like a superstar in return. Yeah. Right. Agreed. That top three is like rarefied air yep. in this yep. in this draft. Um, I think Toronto Toronto's not moving off of four. If they can get a men, they're taking a men. Yep. 
Um, He's such a Raptors guy. <laughs> yes. Let me ask you this, Nick. At five is the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. If you could call Houston and you would say, hey, give us pick five. We'll send you 13. You owe us your pick next year in 2024. And then they owe them a... Is all they owe left is a pick and a pick swap, or do they still owe two picks? I think it's a pick and a pick swap. We'll give you 13. Your own pick next year is yours. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to... If you want to go sign vets, you can. to try to not like have to give the Thunder a good pick. You can have your pick back. You can have your pick swap back. And we'll send you Trey Mann or JRE or someone like that. We'll send you 13, all your stuff back, and one of our young guys for pick five. And then the the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade, it's done. All the assets are now Uh settled. You've got your Uh stuff back. We're finished. Would you do it? I don't think I would. Oh, interesting. At five on this board, you have Asar, Jarris, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black, all available. I think I think the reason being um, the Rockets want to be good next year. Do I believe the Rockets will be good? I don't. Um, I could totally see Houston like making the play in similar to situation Oklahoma city this year, or like finishing 11th in the West. And and we're talking about like that seven, eight, nine range. I think I'm fine drafting 13 this year and then getting eight next year versus just five this year. For sure. And I think consistently on this podcast, you have been take as many bites at the apple as yeah. you can versus get a more higher quality bite of the apple. Very much so. Um, I think that's, I mean, it's just a difference of opinion. I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong yeah. with that at all. I think that would be interesting though, because you are then getting off one of those picks from next year, uh, which at some point you're going to have to do something with that uh, to jump up and take a swipe at a guy that you like um, at five. I think that would be interesting this year. I also look at uh, the San Antonio Spurs at six. If they slide all the way down to six, would they be interested in a large picks haul um, to continue their rebuild? Maybe they look at six and, and the highest rated prospect on their board left is Jairus. Yep. And they say, well, we just took, um, oh, I'm not forgetting his name. We just talked about him. Crazy hair guy. In San Antonio. Came from Baylor. Oh, Jeremy Sohan. Sohan. We just took Sohan. Yep. We don't need a Jairus Walker. Um, we would rather take 13 and, and three future protected firsts uh, and give you six. Like, and when I don't know how I feel about that from a Thunder perspective, but I yeah. think that might be a thought process that San Antonio goes through. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think I think there there will be opportunity to trade up in this draft. I don't think you can trade into the top three, probably not even top four, but... Um, I do four, think four is iffy. I think three. There's, there's a big red roadblock at three. I don't think you're breaking. Out I don't here. think you're getting in. I don't even think you're getting four. I think Amen Thompson, as as polarizing and scary as he is to draft at four, the upside's bonkers. I I yeah. I, I do think that teams five, six, seven, eight have no freaking idea who's going to be there until their their name is on the clock. I agree. Totally agree. Interesting stuff. I don't think Orlando is trading back. I think if they do anything, they're more likely to package, in this case, 8 and 12, um, to climb up the board to get another piece that they really like. That would yeah. just be my opinion, though. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts before we get out here, Nick? Um, I'll ask you one more draft question. Okay. We'll, we'll bucket guys more simple than it really is in the modern game. Guards, wings, bigs. Everyone's got probably different definitions of what those are, but it's like th- those are the three categories. Um, player names, specific player names aside, what position 
do you think is the best fit for the Thunder? I'm not talking long term, but like for next season, assuming this rookie could help you, what position would you prefer? Wing. Agreed. You can never never have enough wings. Um, I think a wing can also play big. Yep. So the right wing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, a lot of comments going on, people chatting back and forth in the chat, which is, I actually like that more than you guys asking us questions. It's just the dialogue amongst the chat folks in the chat. I think that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back with you again this Sunday. looks like we have like a full squad together this Sunday. We're going to do a fun one this Sunday, Nick. We've got a 2022 NBA redraft. Mm. On the Surely board. it won't be biased. Yeah, not at all. Nobody's going to take <laughs> J-Dub number one. That would never happen. <laughs> so join us on Sunday for that. We'll also talk some NBA playoffs, any other Thunder news that may come out between now and then. We are down to 13 days until the NBA draft lottery. That should be a really fun night as well. Uh, hopefully it doesn't turn out like my Tankathon spin and slide the Thunder down a spot. Hopefully it jumps them up like six spots and eight spots and gets them into the top four. That would be awesome. We will talk to you guys Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy playoff basketball. Cause it's been awesome so far, except for tonight's game. That was like a last time. Whenever I turned it off, it was like a 30 point game. Brutal. So I think that's probably how it ended up. We will talk to you Sunday. You guys have a great rest of your week until then. As always. Thunder up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.